0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Hi, guys. Welcome to ABG, the podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Mel. I'm Helen.
2: And I'm Janet. Hello, everyone. We have received a lot of messages from our listeners about careers People feeling really uncertain if they're in the right job for them, uh, wondering what other jobs are like and if they would be happier if they did a a different type of work. And we've also received a lot of questions about developing yourself uh, to advance in your current job. Um, So today we wanted to take this episode to
0: talk about different ways of self-analysis that link to your career. And for those of you who have listened to season one, episode four, we did talk about 20-something girls versus 30-something women about careers and mainly focused on what we did after college, the different jobs that we had if we stayed within our jobs or if we moved around. In our 20s, we always felt like we needed validation. We needed a job that was like super respectable. And we wanted to do good, change the world, and all of this other stuff that we kind of struggled with in terms of our first job. So we did get a lot of people writing into us asking, you know, am I in the right job or is there something else out there that's better for me?
2: So why don't we just start off by uh, talking a little bit about what each of us does in our current jobs? Who wants to start?
1: (laughs) Okay, so I guess I'll start. So I work in production for an e site. What that usually means is people say, what's production? There's actually two forms. So I do studio productions. My job is to make sure that all our products get shot and we have a model in to shoot with the images. And that requires me to run around a lot from different departments, from the production team, which is, there's different production side, which they're the ones that make the clothes, from the accounting side to social media. So I work with a lot of different teams. And I work as my role as a studio production person. So you're on your feet a
2: lot and talking to people constantly.
1: And I'm also on a lot of photo shoots. So I'm running around making sure everyone's taken care of, everyone is well fed, there's coffee, all that, all that stuff. Do you ever step in there and you're like, I'm the model today? Well, they asked me to come in, like, Mel, can you come in to test the lighting? And I go, okay. And they go, and then once they're done, they go, okay, you can leave now. They're like, hey, send me that picture. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they sent it to me though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Helen, what do you do?
0: So I work in um, finance. I've been doing valuation for private companies for the past seven years. I feel like since I've moved to LA and every time I explain what I do, people kind of just like, they have like a light in their eyes and it just kind of like fizzles by the time (laughs) I finish that sentence. They're like, oh, finance. Okay. I don't know how to talk to you. (laughs) Um, But to give a very high level overview of what I do. So I work in the M&A deal space, mergers and acquisitions. So layman's terms like if you if a company were to buy another company and they pay a very heavily negotiated price for that company that company is now worth that amount all right mel's looking at me like you're already losing me fizzle her fading
1: after you said your title I was like, that sounds so legit and then layman's terms something something
0: okay so okay let's do this okay so for example someone buys asian boss girl okay um for like a million dollars someone out there do it <laughs> <laughs> But we have our speakers, we have our, like, people, our workforce. Everyone needs to be revalued based on what they are willing to pay for us. Mm, So So
2: translating all of us into money. Right, dollar, like each piece
0: of the puzzle that makes up Asian Boss Girl needs to be valued. All those like calculations. That. But yes, that is what I do. So a lot of data analysis, uh, teamwork, client interaction, and just like multitasking. Janet, how about you? Give us a
2: little bit of background on your day-to-day. Sure. Um, so I am a user experience designer and I focus on digital products. Um, and so unlike you, guys, I guess I actually I don't do too much multitasking at my job. So a general project for me might take a couple of months And my job is to go in there and, in the beginning, do a lot of research. So it could be interviewing people. It could be auditing um, other digital products. So if someone was like, I want you to design or redesign an app, I would look at all other apps that are doing similar stuff. I would talk to users they're trying to target. And then I would basically build the architecture. So I'm not the kind of designer that will know color theory um, or graphics. I'm more um, figuring out – it's kind of like you have a – Um, an architect for a building who creates the blueprints I do that for
1: the mobile app or for a website oh that makes sense like if it's a house there's like a person that creates the flow of the house like where the bedrooms are but there's someone else that comes in so you would design exactly so it would be
2: so if the if the analogy was building a house I would figure out like the I guess the base of the house and then people would come in to do the interior so you're like you're like a technical architect yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes cool. it's called an information architect too
0: yeah i like i like my term better <laughs> that sounds so cool and if you guys shameless plug asian boss girl was designed by Janet, <laughs> uh, squarespace <laughs> and janet highly <laughs> assisted by squarespace <laughs> Hopefully that gave more of an overview and also detail as to what we do on our day-to-day. So very different. We have a spectrum of different industries that we cover mm-hmm. here. But the, the resounding, I guess, question is like, how do I figure out what it is? And so one thing that we did was take personality tests. That is, to me, I don't think that's like a sole identifier of like, oh, I'm going to take this test and then go into the career section and figure out what I'm going to do with my life. But I think it does help you hone in on different skills that you have and how you operate with people. Yes.
2: Yeah. And I think generally when people are trying to figure out what to do career-wise, there's two big uh, things that you should do, right? One of them is looking outward and doing your research and figuring out what type of jobs exist. But I think the critical part that a lot of people don't talk about and they don't really teach you in school too much is the internal, which is what Helen said, like taking tests or figuring out what your strengths and your weaknesses are and what you like and what you don't like. There are a number of different personality and strengths and weaknesses type tests out there. There's the Myers-Briggs, the Big Five, the MAP, M-A-P-P test, What Color Is My Parachute, which also comes in the form of a book. Uh, but for today's purposes, we thought it'd be fun to go with Myers-Briggs because they actually, there's a variation that's uh, the 16 personality types, and based on your results, they give you kind of this archetype or this character. So we figured um, it'd be more fun for you guys to listen to us describe more of a character versus just reading off letters and percentages. Maybe we should first break down what the four the four types are. Mm-hmm. So generally for Myers-Briggs, they test you on four sections, and the first section is introversion versus extroversion, and that means and and these are all on a scale so no one is ever absolute 100 percent extrovert and zero percent introvert or vice versa but it's it's more about whether you gain your energy from people and outward things or from being more internal and you get your energy from kind of being alone and having alone time and the second quality is sensing versus intuition And that means um, if you're more of a sensor, you're more focused on what is tangibly in front of you. What are the hard facts of reality? Versus intuition, more abstract thinkers, you think more about kind of like what could be and the possibilities. Uh, The third category is thinking versus feeling. And this is whether it's more about how you make decisions. So do you tend to make decisions based on rationale and practicality, or do you go with more what's in your gut and what feels right? And then the last category is judging versus perceiving. And that means judging, you are someone who kind of likes finality and conclusions. You don't really like to leave things open-ended. Versus perceiving, you don't like being locked in to uh, final conclusions. You want to be able to have uh, multiple choices that you can choose from in context of the situation. So that's a broad strokes of the four categories. Let's start off with
1: Mel again. Mel, what are your results? Okay, so I am an ENFJ, and my personality, or the character I was given, was the protagonist. Mm. Whatever that means. (laughs) 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 Or should I pull up a dictionary for you, (laughs) Mel? I just think I'm a protagonist of a story, or like a... Or like the the lead of your story. I like to think that, you know? A leading lady. (laughs) And it says that I'm caring, enthusiastic, idealistic, organized, diplomatic responsible, skilled communications who value connection with people.
2: That seems very accurate. Do I you think, you think would, that's
1: you? Yeah, I think I'm very... Um, especially like the sensing... I mean, the two letters in the middle. Like, I'm definitely... I go with my gut all the time. I don't go with my, my mind. Um, I'm not logical at all. <laughs> at all. <clears throat> so what was the percentage? Yeah. Of <laughs> so these
0: tests give you different percentages of one or the other. Mm-hmm. So what was your percentage towards um, feeling?
1: For feeling? So mm. I got a... I got a 79%. That's pretty high. Like yeah. Eight, almost 80% feeling. I think it's because like all through my life, I actually always go with my gut. Even though something might make sense logically, I'm like, no, it doesn't yeah. feel right to me. So mm. I'm going to go with what I feel. Maybe that's why I'm not a lawyer. Because I would never, I would lose all the cases. <laughs> I feel like you're guilty. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Think, but why?
1: I just, my gut tells me. <laughs> my gut is my gut always right. How about the evidence? My gut, my gut just says it's Right. <laughs> But yeah, I think this is quite accurate. Um, the thing I do find interesting is that, so I am an extrovert, like I like to go out and talk and whatever. So I'll give you, a, I guess, a background of me. Uh, when I was looking for a job before landing my current job, I was home alone a lot. And so I, I talked to no one. Mm. And so whenever my like, roommates would come home, I feel like I was that dog waiting by the door, like, oh my God, <laughs> interaction, please talk to me. You know, I got, I got so excited to talk to them. They're like, we're yeah. tired. I'm like, damn it. So I was always looking for like...
2: Social interaction. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I never, I never got that. But now in my current job, I'm, t- I'm always talking to people because, you know, working in production, I need to talk to so many departments and mm. like, I, I ha- I'm like talking to so many people that I, when I get back home, I'm just like, okay,
2: you're drained.
1: Don't talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like put throw all my K dramas and like, leave me alone. At the same time, I think this test is accurate because I'm happy that I'm an extrovert and my job provides me that because yeah. if I was in a job where no one were to talk to me, I wouldn't know what to do but one thing that stood out to me and I think it's true it says as an enfj my job I need to make sure I focus on people and not systems and spreadsheets and that's Mm -hmm. actually so true I can't I don't think I could be in a job where I'm sitting at a desk and I'm sitting there all day and I'm focused on like numbers all day because I I would get burnt out Mm -hmm. and actually um at a previous internship where I I thought I was doing something like really it's still social related I do social media work here here and there too I was, but I was looking at social media numbers all day and I would talk to no one. And afterwards I would be like, okay, I definitely need a drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I felt so that was like,
2: not a good fit for your
0: personality. Like yeah. exhausted you. Yeah. yeah. And
1: I think that's one thing I, as you, as you get older is like, you know, for me, I love social media. That's something I, I get to do with my current job. But like even my previous, previous internship was a social media job. Like right. I was working for a PR firm that focused on gaming and social media influencers but I was looking at numbers all day. Yeah. But so that it was asks, like
2: the function. The function was not right. Maybe the industry was a good fit for you, but the role you had was not, not exactly. A good fit.
1: And in my current job, the fact that I get to run around and I get to work in the studio, I get to work at a desk, I get to work in like the different rooms or the cafeteria, like, yeah. it makes me feel like, okay, cool. Like I'm not bored at work. That's good that
0: you kind of acknowledge what your weaknesses and strengths are mm-hmm. and what you what like brings you energy at work. Exactly. Um, how about you, Helen? So I am an ESFP. That's the character of an entertainer. And actually, similar to Mel, I got that, like, when I was in college, I didn't know what what I wanted to do. I took the test, and I was an entertainer. I was like, really? Interesting. I could totally see that. Like, I'm a social butterfly. Mm -hmm. And now I took it this year, so, like, seven years later, not to date myself, but I (laughs) I just did. Um, I still get the same results, which is kind of crazy. So it's described as playful, enthusiastic, friendly, spontaneous, tactful, I think of an ESFP as someone who's like very Broadway-esque. Like they love the spotlight and they will they describe it as someone who breaks out into dance and song. I feel like that's more like Mel. <laughs> you
1: know I mean? No, I see you on the weekend. But this is for work, so. Right. <laughs> and
0: here I am working at a desk job. But it's what's funny is that it says that my career is good as an event planner, a sales mm. rep, a social worker, personal coach, or a consultant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jobs that eliminate human contact and focus on data-driven decisions are torturous for ESFPs. They do well Mm. enough blowing off steam with friends after work, but for the most part, careers like technical writing or data analysis are poor fits. Which is like kind of crazy because that's what you do. That's what I've been doing for the past seven years. Yeah.
2: So Helen, I was actually hoping to ask you. Like, it sounds like like you're describing. I see you on the weekends and I see mm-hmm. you outside of work, and that is like a total match. You you are someone that brings in kind of this like energy. But could it be perhaps that in a corporate setting, if you're in like a very serious um, meeting with a lot of you know uh, executives, and managers, and mm-hmm. you also have your staff, that you would be the person to help maybe lighten the mood mm-hmm. or um, bring in the energy a little bit more.
0: So I would say that despite me being like an entertainer as my um, my identity, when I first started working, I was the type of person that kind of kept my head down, didn't really like ask too many questions, kind of just did the best that I could do, but also being told what to do and doing that well. Mm-hmm. What I see now from, you know, as a manager now and having staff and, and senior analysts is that the people who actually shine the most are people who have like opinions and they ask questions that's probably mm-hmm. like my biggest advice to people who are just coming out of school like ask questions that's like the best time for you to be dumb yeah like- <laughs> there are no stupid
2: questions in the beginning right yeah like yeah.
0: play dumb don't take it don't use it to your advantage where you're like just gonna play dumb and like play hooky and not really try but yeah. like play dumb so that you're not just googling things where you're getting a very deep perspective of the answer that you're actually mm. looking for from someone who's like very experienced
2: and it also shows your managers that you're curious and you're interested right right, right. Yeah.
0: and it also shows a little bit of your personality too that mm. you're You know, you're not just going to be someone that's just going to push numbers and, but you're actually going to try and figure out like the bigger picture of like why you're doing things too. So I would say that now in my job, I'm a little bit more of an entertainer where I bring that personality in. I think once you get comfortable and you're confident in what Mm -hmm. you're doing, you can bring out your personality a little bit more because then people know that you're good at what you do and so they don't really question you. Right. You've earned your credibility. I right, guess. right, yeah. exactly. Um, I do feel like that's a little bit of like Asian like parenting time yeah. momming though where like they'll force a child to do something for a long period of time. You get good at it and then they're like, oh, I'm good at this thing and I want to keep doing it because yeah, yeah. I'm confident now at, yeah. at this like skill that I've learned. So maybe that has come a little bit from like Pressure of just right, like right. succeeding, so I feel like I, I can bring a little bit more of that entertainer skill into my job now, but definitely not before.
2: If you're working in a in a space where um, people are a little bit more introverted and analytical and quiet, I think your if you have something that's different, which is like the people skills and the energy, mm-hmm. that makes that's a total asset. And if that comes to you naturally, like and you go you put in your your years in the beginning to just learn the skill set, then that's like. You know, that's a, that's another way to be very successful in, um, in an industry that you might not think initially would be a good fit for you.
1: All right. So Janet, so what is your personality result and what do you, how does that apply to your job? Sure. So I am just,
2: I'm like Mel, except I have an I instead of an E. So you're introverted. Yes. So I'm an INFJ. And the description says that an INFJ is idealistic, organized, insightful, dependable, compassionate, gentle, seek harmony and cooperation, enjoy intellectual stimulation. Drinks kombucha is a minx in the bedroom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I see that in a description somewhere.
2: (laughs) So actually, as I was saying, like, I've tried a lot of different different lines of work and I've also taken the Myers-Briggs a couple of times starting in like high school through like uh, different leadership organizations and different social things and I used to test more as an INTJ and that is a more like logical strategic uh, minded type person Uh, versus the INFJ I think of the 16 personality types they're described as the advocate so the advocate is someone who cares more about like helping people and um, finding true meaning in their work and making sure that other people are finding value in it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So they said, first and foremost, advocates need to find meaning in their work to know that they are helping and connecting with people.
1: But that makes sense. I I think in a previous podcast, you said like, you, you know, explore Chinese medicine, maybe because you want to right? Yeah. Yeah. Was it both?
2: So I was really fascinated by learning about the theory of Chinese medicine. But then the moment I was like, I have to put needles where? What? Wait, did you ever, <laughs> did you ever get like licensed for that? No, no, no. So it was like, this is the extreme reaction off of working in advertising, which mm. was the total opposite. And knowing that I'm like an introverted person in advertising, a lot of my job involved constantly talking all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we have to go and present to a group of people. So at the end of the day, I was like, I can't even hear myself think. That's <laughs> you know? exhausting. It was yeah. super, yeah. So then, that and it was great. Like, it also <laughs> felt really empty. Like, I think the two themes I danced around a lot when I was growing up thinking about careers was I kept saying I wanted to do something creative and then I kept saying I wanted to help people. Mm. And so it's hard, it was hard for me to figure out how to find that in one thing. So I tried like the creative stuff, like advertising. And then, but it felt like so empty. Like there mm-hmm. wasn't really, we were like, advertising cars Mm -hmm. and uh, you know and then I and then I went through the route of like helping people but then it was like this does not feel creative it feels like too medical or too Mm -hmm. like scientific Um, and so a lot of the reason why I, I feel like user experience design works really well for me is because there's a design component to it but my role is focused on the user so my job is to make sure that whatever we're designing is easy and
0: good for the person using it I think a lot of our listeners will probably want to understand like, how did you, what was the moment in your first job Mm -hmm. where you said like, okay, this is not for me. And how did you transition out of that and go into medicine?
2: So very messily.
0: Uh, (laughs) I knew actually by week two in my first job out of college that I didn't like
2: it and I didn't want to be there. Yeah. And it was, that was a really scary realization. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners will share the sentiment, like, You work through school, um, high school, college, there's always a way to define what is successful. And I felt like I did all the things that I was supposed to do. And my reward should have been this like awesome career, right? Mm -hmm. And on paper, it was, I'm like, this is the thing I was supposed to get. And when I realized that all that work led to this, which was five days a week of coming into an office and staring at these numbers and uh, reading about semiconductors because those were my clients at the time <laughs> I was like, oh my god this is not for me um but you know I think I think when you're transitioning out of college there was a lot of stuff that was changing right I was trying to figure out is it this work that I don't like or is it this
0: office sorry mm-hmm. Mel just did like the choo-choo for the conductor <laughs> she's like she's a semiconductor
1: oh. <laughs> <is> it? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a train right
2: uh they're actually they're like microchips that you find in like computers and
1: there's no training involved. No, in there's all. no train
2: involved. This is silicon. Valley, I'm so, so sorry. Like... This is like you're so
1: good. Janet, please continue. Okay. Okay. Basically, I was bored as fuck.
2: Okay. <laughs> there we and, go. There we go. And also having this like huge like life questioning, right? I was like, okay, is it that I don't maybe I shouldn't be doing this type of work, or is it the clients? Or is it just like I don't like working in general? Because I did, mm. you know, people always talk about our generation as like we're spoiled, yeah. you know, and maybe it was like really, um, you know, go having to do a structured schedule was like hard for me. And I'm like, no matter what job I go to, I need to learn how to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I needed to give it a proper chance. I, so I stayed there for two and a half years. And I also remember thinking like, I don't want to leave because I hate this because when you're in elevated emotional state, I was like, I don't think that that's, I'm not thinking clearly. I haven't right. properly identified why I don't want right. to be here. Yep. And so I got to a point where I no longer hated my job. Like, I didn't love it, but I would come in and it would still be okay. It was mm-hmm. tolerable. Okay, so
1: when did you reach your moment? you're like, I cannot do this anymore? Um, so I started dating this guy and, um, and he,
2: his dad actually was a partner at like another type of firm, right? Mm-hmm. He was working with his dad out of college and working more in like traditional business and corporate type settings. Um, but he was really passionate about like graphic design and his personality is incredibly entrepreneurial. So he- He ended up um, moving out with his girlfriend at the time from Ohio to San Francisco and just fully from nothing, like enrolling in graphic design classes and then starting his own graphic design business from the ground up. Um, And so I found that really inspiring. It was very much, I think, being around someone like that who was encouraging me and saying like, you're not happy. I really think you should do something about this. Mm. And so I just, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I don't really know what else I'm going to do, but I feel, I feel like I'm ready to jump. So I, I jumped in hindsight, I feel like I wish I could have planned it better, mm-hmm. but I also don't know,
0: I guess maybe the other way I could have done it is just kept my job and taken classes. Yeah. Um, well, I think a big component of what you just said is that like finding mentors or people who have had experience yeah. and are good at what they do to give you like an overview of like their job, their day to day, like what, yeah. what you might hope to achieve. Cause I remember in college, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm just going to check a box. I'm going to check yeah. school of management. Oh, business. My sister's doing business. I'm just going mm. to go into business. But it's like, once you have the resources and the mentors that try to like help guide you, Yeah, that's like a world of like just knowledge that's out there and people are usually willing to help. So
2: yeah, no, that is, that is a really good point. I think a lot of, like when we said, there's the external research and the internal. So get to know yourself and your strengths and your weaknesses and what you like and what you don't like. But um, the only way you're going to figure out like what else, how you're going to match that with the job that exists is like talk to other people mm-hmm. who are doing that job mm-hmm. and, and get an idea for the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Get an idea for like how they guided their career. What do they do for, you know, fresh out of college? And then what was the second job and the third job? Yeah, and that's true. Maybe that's what gave me the confidence is I saw someone in life and I, I knew my personality is very different from his. My skill set was different, but I saw that this was one way someone did it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think the other thing was I, I really struggled with like keeping my job and then doing things on the side I think because I was really sad at my job yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't like I feel I feel like I was really really sad in the beginning and then I got to a place where I like wasn't as sad but I was still pretty like depressed and I think that being in that mindset it was really hard for me to think more blue sky about what other options were out there because I would just get home from work and I would be so drained I didn't want to like go to take a class or like yeah. you know like do these exercises to figure stuff out so I, I for me I felt like I needed that clean break I know more and more nowadays people that kind of do it fifty fifty, and I think that that probably is a smarter way to do it. Fifty fifty, as in like keep keep your job, keep your day job, and then do and then... do like side projects or take classes, and yeah. then and then once you see once you actually try it and you have more uh, confidence in like what the next thing will be, then right. then make
0: the proper transition. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there's there have been times where I'm like. Oh, I'm just going to quit my job like cold turkey and like go work at a cafe or something, yeah. work at Chipotle, mm-hmm. like that'd be kind of awesome at the same time. My thing <laughs> mine
2: was the I wanted to do cupcakes or like something. Oh, right. <laughs>
0: yeah. We should
2: start a business together. <laughs> you guys are so interesting. Cupcakes <laughs> and burritos. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but there is a part of me that's also like I would like to have that security. Yeah. So if it's anything, it would be like a side project kind of like, you what know, we're doing now. Yeah, yeah, what we're doing now. As a way to just like assess a different arena that I've never been in before, right? To see if I actually really like it and if I can find like other things to come out of this. But you know, I I feel like your job shouldn't define you. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people coming out of college, they do think that whatever they go into for work, that's gonna be like the end all be all. Like that's gonna be your defining factor of who you are as a person. Um, But that doesn't have to be the case.
2: Yeah. And just, and to keep it real, like I feel like that is a more, you Helen you're more developed in your career now so I think that you thought more about the financial aspect Mm. I did not and I was just because I was kind of a new still fresh out of school and um, didn't really grasp the concept of like finances so Mm. I did end up moving home with my parents you know and Mm. and I think that can be okay um, but just know that if you have to be okay with that outcome if you decide to just jump 100% like think about there could be a worst case scenario and even then you know you can always like bounce back when you're younger and you have the flexibility but yeah, so just think yeah. through, think through no. all the potential. Actually, absolutely, like,
0: Janet and I are actually, like, really good cases for someone who just kind of, like, stuck it through and yeah. kind of just, like, struggle. Like, it's probably not what I want you know to do. know my pain. But no. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, it did give me the stability to move out to Los Angeles and not yeah. have to rely on my parents. On the other end of it, like, you had to move back home, but now you're super independent and happy in your career. <laughs> so it's like, no matter what, it's going to end up being okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just find like hearing your guys story is really interesting because I feel like I did the complete opposite of that. Mm. And like in terms of personality, like I, I think when I was younger, like after college, I kind of just went with my gut. Everything I chose to do was based off feeling. I think unlike Janet and Helen, I kind of just by luck, I stumbled upon what I wanted to do. Obviously right now we're doing the podcast like about Asian American women, but looking back at like what I've done previously, I'm like, oh, I see why I've landed here When I started my internship at Wong Fu, for some reason, everything just felt right to me. Like what I did, I felt like I was helping them impact the Asian-American media community. I I enjoyed going to work every day and everything felt magical, which had led me to like, you know, managing YouTubers and like going on tour. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember a moment when I was on tour with David Choi and I literally flew from Taiwan back to LA and drove five, six hours back to SF, packed my things and flew out to, to New York that same night to join them on tour. I was exhausted and I was like freaking jet lagged, but I felt like I feel so alive. And for me, like the reality of like, hey, you um, you have to pay bills and you need health care. That's when yeah. things start sinking in for me. And I'm like, okay, now I have to be a little more realistic with what I want. Right. And so that's how I ended up like at my corporate job. But I think without those experiences working at, uh, you know, Wang Fu where I was doing multiple things and like working in a creative world, I wouldn't have landed working in a studio space where it is a creative environment where mm. I get to help people concept their like things for like an editorial lookbook or whatever mm. I would have to say like my career like my current job like it doesn't provide me everything that I need but the fact that we're doing this podcast and like my job I feel like everything just connects and you just learn so if it, it feels
2: like uh, like a resounding message from all of us to our listeners is that you should if you Try to figure out what things make you happy and then and do them. And whether that means committing full-time in a job doing it or doing it on the side or even taking a finite period and say, I'm just going to take one year off and try it out. But try it out in some capacity. Yeah. And, and understanding that everyone's uh, life situation is different and your financial needs are different.
1: Another question or like concern a lot of people bring up to us is like, how do you like in terms of careers, how do you tell your parents about this? You know, your change Mm -hmm. or like, because I know a lot of us are taught to be, you know, in the medical field or, you know, be a lawyer Mm -hmm. and and, which is which is fine. But that's not something you want to do. How do you communicate this to your parents? And and it's really difficult. And I think um, for us three, we have to like we have to say, you know, all of us are raised really differently, even though we're all Asian American. So for me personally, like my mom actually is pretty americanized for like an asian mom because mm-hmm. she came here when she was in high school so she has some american values and traditions ingrained in her but she's still very traditional in her own way i never really had much problems with my mom growing up in terms of like i always did creative stuff in college in high school she had no problem with that but i think when when it came to my career um we kind of clashed on that like when i told her i wanted to be like doing like influencer work and youtube stuff she's like where's the money like that mm-hmm. was a big deal to her and like we fought all the time about it I think I'm very fortunate to have a mom who really just ultimately just says to me like even though we we still fight about it and stuff she wants the best for me so in that sense I feel like she doesn't have that tiger mom aspect Mm -hmm. but it it did take a lot of convincing on my part saying to her like Hey mom like looking back at all, all I've done in high school and college I've always did well like I you never doubted me and I always did the right thing going with mm-hmm. my gut and I told her I said i always go with my gut mm-hmm. and that never steered me wrong and so I think you need to trust me that I'm doing the right thing for myself mm-hmm. Eventually she's like you know what like, this is this is your life you got to do it yeah, you no. want to do that makes you happy I just I'm just I'm just raising concern because I just right. need she's you to just know she's worried like, about you right. exactly yeah. like she's being a mom but Obviously I know that that's not the case for a lot of people out there but that that's just that's how my mom and my relationship with her is.
0: Actually I think my relationship with my mom and my dad is like very similar in mm-hmm. that throughout high school I think they were a little bit more hands off because mm-hmm. I got good grades. I wasn't I was a pretty bad kid in 8th grade but <laughs> in high school I was a pretty good kid and they still wanted me to you know focus on just school, academics and things like that. They never really t- like asked me to do like piano or ballet or whatever, right? Like very Asian stereotypical activities. activities. So I never really did that. But then when I got into volleyball, they were actually very against that. They were like, why are you, you know, what's the purpose of moving so much? (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like you're not studying, you're spending this time after, right. Taking time away from academics. And so, for me, I felt also like somewhat rebellious in that Mm. I didn't really listen to them, but then I got really good at volleyball. So once I started getting good at something, they were like, oh, good job. That's great. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And so I think it was the same for work where I honestly just didn't know what I wanted to do. So I followed my sister's footsteps in doing finance. And then when I first started, my dad was like, oh, you should have gone to like this other school that was like, pharmacy school. And I was just like, really? You want me to go to that school? He's like, yeah, medicine. Like it's a good school, right? I'm like, Mm. no, that's not always the case. Um, so he's like, why don't you apply there? And so we got into arguments about that stuff, but anyway, so I kind of like went on my own path and then Mm. he wanted me to become like a lawyer, doctor and all that stuff. And I'm like, like, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. Did finance. And the first couple of years they were like, yeah, what are you doing? You look so miserable. You're coming home late. You're not like eating well, blah, blah, blah. Now fast forward. Every time I tell them, like, I have a raise. This is what I'm making. And they're like, oh, good job. (laughs) You're a manager now. Go be a partner. I'm like, okay. So I feel like I've had authority over my own life. Yeah. And I think a little bit of that also is that we're not, like, that close and that I won't Mm. tell them everything because I do want to live my own life. I don't Mm. want them to, like, nag on me because I'm not doing what they want me to do. Yeah, And I feel like that's actually a lot of, like, a lot of, like, Asian kids and their parents where they don't feel close to their parents because of that reason.
1: I was saying like how we don't. My mom and I currently don't really like fight anymore. We don't, but I always like since I work in a creative world. She always says, like when I tell when I got my salary, she's like, oh, that's it. Like that's always the thing. I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, I know someone at Facebook. I was like, I don't want to work for Facebook. It's just like they still have this mentality and like to this day, she doesn't understand what I do. Yeah, and I was like, I had to explain to her like. You shop at Amazon, right? You know the pictures you see. Well, I'm responsible for those pictures on the website to get that person wearing that dress. So it's just like, I guess, I guess I could say like a current struggle is like having your parents understand like why and how much you make yeah, is a thing. Right. Like, they ex- I think a lot of like Asian parents expect you to make a certain income, right. and when you don't reach that bracket, it's like, why aren't you not making this much? So I think that's just something if you want to pursue creative and jobs that don't make as much money or your what your parents assume like be aware that it is a conversation mm-hmm. topic that they might bring up to you right
0: yeah and it makes sense because our parents came over and they're you know they left their home and yep. they right, you know right. obviously so want to raise their kids to be successful them. and yeah. ma- not successful but successful in a monetary term right oh, yeah as yeah, in yeah. like you're gonna take care of me when i'm older that's why i moved <laughs> here for you and i was like
1: and i look at my brother's like so you're gonna take care yeah. of them financially right <laughs> <laughs> but janet how about you um,
2: so I, I'm the eldest child and of a Chinese family, um, and also in junior high, all throughout high school and college was someone who was kind of like, did all the quote unquote right things. And I feel like my parents never felt like they had to worry about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also are a little bit alternate. I, I, It's kind of interesting that I reflect upon after now that I've gone through all these experiences. But when I was growing up, they were always like, oh, you know, like we think you should do whatever you want and don't worry. And my mom was like, stop doing homework so much. Go outside and play. Oh, my God. (laughs) So they they were very kind of like hippie-ish, I guess, in what they would verbally tell me but they are still children of Chinese uh, parents, meaning they might tell you one way, but they still believe certain things that Mm. they can't control because that's how they were raised, Mm -hmm. right? So when I would have direct conversations with them about schoolwork and about school, um, or like careers, it's very, do whatever you want. Anything that is, you know, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then, but over conversations over dinner, so-and-so's son's doing this. Oh, that's really good. So-and-so is going to this college. Oh, that's really good. That's what you know. And so I always had these like dual messages and I was not conscious of it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I, I do think that that, um, my personality being someone that does kind of like to, uh, like follow structure and tradition, I, I kind of went in that direction. But obviously there's a part of me that, you know, randomly quit my job and then mm-hmm. <laughs> did That's awesome. coming thing. Um And how I handled that was, um, I feel like I actually got really close to my parents throughout those couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it, because my tactic was, I knew I couldn't just say I'm going to do whatever and then they just trust me. I needed to, to gain their trust. Mm-hmm. So I would have conversations to be like, this is my plan. Give me X amount of time. I will do it, you know, and we'll check in again at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was not always perfect with that. And I and half the time, I didn't know, like, what the outcome would be. But it was just constantly checking with them, right? Mm-hmm. And that also helped check me, like... Um, I did care about whether they understood, understood what I was doing, whether they felt comfortable. Um, and so like when I was doing advertising they're like, what I don't have any idea what this is And then with Chinese medicine they would kind of like, I have a friend that kind of does this I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Um, And then when I ended up landing in technology, my dad worked in technology. Oh. so he understands what I what I do and he understands the industry and I feel like for him that was a sense of relief um, and that gave us something to kind of like share. Uh, share and have like in common I don't know I feel like a lot of people aren't that close yeah I, mean, I, I do know unique that you're yeah it into. is definitely an anomaly and I think like one approach I could have taken is I don't want to clue them in so much because I don't want them to worry mm-hmm. um because I literally like they saw me go through all the ups and all the downs right yeah but then my I guess from my perspective I felt like it would I needed to be honest with them and I needed for them to know and also it was reciprocal for me to see their reaction help me reflect on like am i am i in the right direction um, of of something that feels right
1: you mm-hmm. know cuz
2: like family is important to me right and what what mm-hmm. they think ultimately does like i do care about
1: i actually think that's a very like asian american trait is to like you want to you seek approval from your parents yeah mm-hmm. cuz that's why i still check in with my mom here and there yeah. like even though i know she may not fully approve but i'm just like i'm doing this just yeah. saying this is really cool or you know it kind of like compensate that way and i
2: think that is that is true like i i've come to a place where i can confidently admit i do care what they think and Mm. i do seek some of their approval but that is not all i seek i seek my own approval too right and so that's why i went back and forth like that first job they approved i did not so then i tried something else Mm. maybe i parts of me approved but if they didn't that didn't feel like whole to me Mm -hmm. so i needed to find something that i liked but that they also understood and they felt was like Good. Yeah. And do they think that about your current job? Yeah, yeah. they do. That's crazy. Yay. Mostly because they actually understand, or my dad <laughs> understands. My mom is also kind of like, wait, websites? Or you design advertisements? I was like, no, those are, that was my second, and this job that you're combining together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for today's episode, we um, try to give you guys a little more clarity. For those of you who are lost, it's, with um trying to find out what career path you want to start on so that's why we brought in personality tests to kind of help you guys figure out like you know what skills do you guys possess what strengths and weaknesses can help you guys determine which career path to take that first step in
2: yeah and i think you know we talk a lot or a lot of our listeners are coming straight out of school and just starting to navigate this world and you know i think one of our main messages that we want to give is that no matter what it is you do you should be doing something and that's you know a combination of getting to know yourself better your strengths your weaknesses what you like, what you don't like, but also doing your research externally. Um, Go on LinkedIn, figure out who's doing the work that you want to be doing in three to five years. If you don't want to be contacting them, you can also just read their profile. Look at the jobs that they work to get to where they are so that you can help focus your search stalk them on Instagram,
0: see what they're doing outside
1: of work. (laughs) Yeah. As Asian-Americans, we're taught to be, you know, a little more docile or like not, or just, you know, put our heads down and do work, which is fine. But if you're curious and you want to find a better fit for yourself, just take action to... Just take action. Yeah. And I think it can be
2: easy if you get into the first job and I know firsthand how you it can be such a drop of expectation and you feel like you get super depressed and you're like, this is not for me. But the way out of that is is to act, right? And whether you um, choose to go the direction of Helen, which is then you like double down on that job and then you seek mentors and you try to get really good at it or you go my route and you, um, you know, look at some other, like research other things that you want to try and jump ship. But the point is both require doing something
0: right and look at us now we are all sitting around a table after our jobs and we're recording asian boss girl so you never know where your decisions are going to lead you to if it's good or if it's going to bad at the end of the day it's more likely than not going to be okay yeah so if you guys have any additional questions please write us at asianbossgirl at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram and facebook we also have a twitter Um, And if you happen to take the test, we'll post um, an Instagram photo. Leave us a comment with um, your four letters.
1: Also, if you guys aren't subscribed to us, please go to iTunes. We're at abg-asianbossgirl.
2: Subscribe. And if you like what you're listening to or you like what you hear, give us a rating and write us a review. We'd love to know more about what you think or what you're thinking.
1: Oh, (laughs) it's late, guys. I know it's like almost 11 p.m. Just type
2: some words.
0: (laughs) We'll read it. All right. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.